please. We're going to read, uh, for right now, we're going to read just 2 Corinthians. I invite you to take your Bibles and let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And we are going to begin reading at verse uh, 23. Verse 23. The Apostle Paul is the author of this letter. And he says in this verse, Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, <clears throat> in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. In verse 28, beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Our Father, we're thankful for this time to gather together with your people. Thank you for reminding us in the special we just heard that you are the God of wonders. And who have we in heaven but thee? We thank you for this time together. Father, we pray you would bless every person here those who may be listening by way of, uh, of the recorded message, somewhere in this world, there'll be someone listening. And Father, we pray that you'll perform a, a great act of wonder in their hearts and lives. And in us this morning, may the message make a difference. May the Lord Jesus Christ be glorified and may he be honored in all things, in all things that we say. Father, I pray that you would help me, give me the strength that I need, Pray that my voice will hold out. And I pray, Father, that you'd fill me with your spirit this morning. I thank you for my salvation. And I thank you for the opportunity to preach this morning. Help me, Lord, to remember that these are your sheep. And, Father, we just pray that you would bless each one. Thank you. If there's someone here today who doesn't know you as their personal Savior, Lord, may this be the day of their salvation. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. I want to be, begin this message by asking you a question, and that is this. What, what do you think is the greatest burden that a pastor carries? Just think about that for a moment. What is the greatest burden that any pastor carries? A true pastor, a real man of God. In the first nine chapters of 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul is writing to the Christians at Corinth who loved and appreciated him. In the last four chapters, he, he turns his attention to uh, a small pocket of resistance uh, that had voiced their opposition to his ministry. 
You know, it, it seems that it doesn't matter how caring, how faithful, how sincere, and how loving a preacher is, there will always be some who resist his ministry. I found that so, Brother Jeff, in my ministry. I've been in ministry 45 years now, pastored for many years, pastored many churches, planted churches, and I found that it doesn't matter what the preacher does or says, there are always going to be some who oppose him. And in essence, oppose God and his word. You see, in Corinth, there were some false teachers uh, that had crept into the church, and they had brought charges of foolish boasting against Paul, and, and they were questioning his apostleship. In chapter 10, he defends his boasting as an apostle in terms of his attitude. We see that in verses 1 through 6. His authority, verses 7 through 11, and his divine commendation in verses 12 through 18. And you know, it, it didn't matter what the false teacher said. It was the Lord who had called him and commended him. In chapter 11, he states his claims as an apostle, and he gives an account of the reasons that he had for boasting, uh, which had to do with his suffering for the Lord Jesus Christ. And the greatest burden that the apostle Paul carried was not what happened to him physically, but that which he carried within his heart, the care and the concern and the welfare for all of the churches that he had planted during his ministry. These were a constant burden upon his heart. The Apostle Paul had a zeal for God's house that consumed him. You notice the title of this message has to do with zeal. The zeal of thine house has eaten me up. And the Apostle Paul certainly had zeal. One author said this, quote, It is difficult for us to comprehend the pain that Paul must have felt from the catalog of physical afflictions he suffered. We read those in verse uh, in, in the opening here in verses uh, 28 through, <clears throat> through the uh, verse 28. Sorry, 23 through 28. However, the spiritual struggles of his ministry were an even greater burden. End of quote. And although the spiritual struggles of his ministry were great, he still found time to care for these churches. For example, and we're not going to look all these verses up, but if you'd like to jot them down, first of all, he kept in contact with them through his letters. Uh, perhaps you're aware that Paul wrote almost half of the New Testament, these letters. And these were letters that he sent. Several of these letters were sent to churches that he planted to encourage them. He prayed for them, and he desired God's blessings for them. You can see that in Colossians 1, verses 9 through 10. He went back to visit some of them. In Acts chapter 15, verse 36, let me just read that one. Acts 15 and verse 36 tells us, and some days after Paul said unto Barnabas, let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord, and let's see how they do. Let's go and visit them. Let's see how, they're, how the ministry is going there, how these churches, how these believers are doing. So he prayed for them. He went back and visited them. And then he also sent others to encourage 
and to teach them in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 17. You see, these churches that he planted, these were God's churches. They weren't Paul's churches. They were God's churches, and Paul loved and cared for them. And you know, like David, and if you would turn to Psalm uh, 69 now, Psalm 69, and we're going to read one verse. Like David, the Apostle Paul had a zeal for God's house. Psalm 69 and verse 9 tells us, For the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up, and the reproaches of them that reproach thee are fallen upon me. This verse was fulfilled in John chapter 2. If you'll turn there, please. John, John's Gospel, chapter 2. And I'll begin reading at verse 12. After this, he, the Lord Jesus, went to Capernaum, he and his mother and his brethren and his disciples, and they continued there many days. And the Jews' Passover was at hand. Jesus went up to Jerusalem and found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and the changers of money sitting. And when he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove them all out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen, and he poured out the changers' money and overthrew the tables and said unto them that sold the doves, Take these things hence, Make not my father's house a house of merchandise. And then verse 17 says, And his disciples remembered that it was written. It was written back in Psalm 69 and verse 9. The zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. And why did Jesus do this? Because the temple had been desecrated. God's house had been polluted. And so Jesus drove all of these out of the temple. Well, not only did the Lord Jesus have zeal and he was eaten up with the zeal of God's house, but so was Paul. So was Paul. Um, zeal means passion or enthusiasm, to have intense emotion, compelling action. The zeal of thine house means extraordinary concern. For the house of God hath eaten me up means to be absorbed. Uh, it means to be engaged and consumed with our entire attention and affection. I'll ask you another question this morning. Have you ever been eaten up by something? By the expression on some of your faces, you have. We all have. Something that has consumed us. Something that just has eaten our lunch, as we say. That's zeal. That's zeal, Brother Sam. Amen? We have all had zeal about something. Most of the things we have zeal about is worthless, actually. But here we see that Jesus had zeal for God's house. And the Apostle Paul did too. Yellowstone Baptist Church is God's church. And the care of it is a burden that eats up our pastor.
You don't know what goes on during the week. But living next door to the pastor, we have to mind our P's and Q's. And we see what he does. We see the ministry that God has given him. And I want you to know that the ministry of this church, this church, the zeal for this church eats up our pastor. I say this not because he's my son, but I know that he loves and he cares for this church. However, we should also love this church. Amen? And we should care for this church, and our zeal for this church should eat us up. The zeal of thine house has eaten me up. So how can we show our zeal for God's house? Well, first of all, and you'll see in your lesson sheet there that we've passed out, that first of all, how to have zeal for God's church by attending it. Well, we could just stop right there, couldn't we? And go to the next point. But why? Why is it important that we attend God's house? Well, first of all, because it is scriptural. It is God's will. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25 tells us, and the author of this book, as he writes to the Hebrew Christians, uh, there must have been a reason why he said this to them. But in verse chapter 10, verse 23, it says, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Now verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. This must have been taking place already when the author wrote this letter. There were some who were forsaking the assembling of themselves, but exhorting one another, and so much more the more as you see the day approaching. And what day was that he was speaking of? The Lord's coming, the, Lord, the second coming of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the author is encouraging them not to forsake assembling together, but to gather together. You see, folks, the church, the local church, is God's creation, and he wants every Christian to be a faithful member of a local Bible-believing, preaching church. It is the place that God has ordained for us to meet. The church is not some man-made concept. The Apostle Paul didn't think up this, but it is God's ordained place for us to worship, to meet, to worship, and to learn. Paul said in 1 Timothy 3.15, but, but if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest behave thyself in the house of God. Uh, you know, that could be another message altogether, how to behave in God's house. But we won't go there this morning. That'll be for another time. Which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. God said that, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. And so we should attend, I believe, because it is scriptural, but then also because it's stimulating. Stimulating means uh, to make one feel refreshed, 
and energetic. Um, it stimulates growth. It, it stimulates good habits. It stimulates faithfulness and concern and care and love for Jesus Christ and for each other. You know, there are some folks who are sad when they go to church. Did you know that? Yeah, they are. There are. As a pastor, I've seen it from this vantage point. Boy, they're sad. Uh, they are, there, there are some who get, not only are they sad, but there are some who get mad when they go to church, especially if they are made to attend. How many people have rebelled? And how many young people I've seen rebel because they were made to go to church? There are some people who dread going to church. And you know what? I can't blame them. Brother Diego, I, I really can't blame them. You know why? Because they go to a dead church with a dead preacher who preaches a dead sermon about a dead God. However, there are some who get blessed. They get refreshed and they get energized. And you know what? They are glad when they go to church. Again, the psalmist said in Psalm 122, verse 1, I was glad when they said unto me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Are you glad when you come to God's house? I trust that you are. I trust that you're not coming here with a sad face. I, I trust that you won't come in here mad, but you'll leave all your problems outside the doors of this assembly. Not only is going to church scriptural, and it is stimulating, but thirdly, technology is wonderful when it works. There we go. Because it's sensible. It's sensible to go to church. You know, as we wait for the Lord's coming, it makes sense to gather together and to worship with his people, doesn't it? Well, what better place to be when Jesus comes to take us home than to be gathered with his people, worshiping him? Amen? I'd rather be here. I heard one preacher say once, I'd rather be here than in the best jail in town. <laughs> and I would too. You know what, folks? And, and, and please bear with me this morning. I'm not going to be ugly. I'm going to try to share the truth and love with you. When you do not attend the services, you know what you're saying? I don't care about God's church. It isn't important to me. And whenever you purposely stay home, remember I said purposely, we're not talking about providential situations, sickness, working, and so on. But when you purposely stay home, you cast your vote against God's church. You're saying Yellowstone Baptist Church really isn't important to me, and it doesn't make any difference whether I go or not. Someone has said this, quote, if absence makes the heart grow fonder, then a lot of people must love their church. Now, that's humorous, but it's the truth. And then, not only do we show zeal for God's church by attending it, but secondly, by extending it. 
You know, I'm sure, I'm sure that if I asked you individually, uh, 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 do you want to see this church grow? I'm sure that everyone here will want to see Yellowstone Baptist Church grow and to be a lighthouse here in Cheyenne. And we don't want to grow just for the numbers, all right? We want to grow because we want God's will to be done here in Cheyenne. We want God's will for our lives and for this church. And how do we extend it? Oops, I went too far here. How do we extend it? Well, first of all, by enlarging it. We'll leave it there. We extend, and that means to enlarge this church by our preaching and our teaching the Word of God. In Acts chapter 5 and verse 42, in Acts 5 and verse 42, the Bible says, And daily in the temple and in every house they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. That's what it was all about. It was about reaching out and preaching the Word of God and uh, teaching it and teaching it. So we extended or enlarged the church by preaching and teaching. Secondly, we extend it by growth. Again, in the book of Acts, the book of Acts is about the, uh, the, the history of the early New Testament church. And we see there that it grew by others bringing, by, by, the, by the people, the, 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 the Christians there, bringing others into the assembly. It grew daily. We extend it by supporting its ministries with our time, with our talents, with our treasures. You know, I never have, uh, I certainly didn't understand this when I pastored or planted churches, but I have never understood why some people want and enjoy the benefits that a church has to offer and yet contribute so little to it. Our stewardship reflects our love for God and for his church. And you know, we are God's stewards, aren't we? And he expects us to be faithful with his possessions. I never get into our car and go somewhere until I first pray and thank God for letting me use his car. It's paid for, but it's his. It's not the bank's, it's his. And I thank him for letting me use it. And I ask him for protection as we travel. Listen to what it says in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 2. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. We are to be faithful with all that we have because it's not really ours. It's God's. There isn't anything that you have that does not belong to God, including your time. Speaking of time, may I encourage you to be on time for each service. Oh, boy, Brother Escalera, now you're meddling. No, I'm not. Why does the world get better treatment than God does in the matter of our punctuality? Amen, Josh? Why, why is it that we can be on time for work, but we're always late for church? How long do you think you would have a job if you were habitually late? Think about that. You know, I mentioned this one time in the ministry we had down in Monument, and uh, one of the gentlemen came up to me afterward, and he said, you know, I never thought of it that way. And from that point on, every Sunday, he was always early. He said, God is more important, and I should be on time. 
than my job. I had a professor who used to say that if you are on time, you are late. That's good advice. I believe that it is disrespectful to the pastor, to the church family, and to God to be habitually late for church. And you can go to the bank with that. God deserves better. Amen? We can extend this church by having a part in sending the gospel. My brother shared this morning, Brother Diego, I didn't. Those numbers were just absolutely amazing concerning the Bible. And we had a privilege to watch this morning how we had have received our English Bible. But yet, how, how, how often do we read the Bible? We extend the church by having a part in sending the gospel to those who have never heard the gospel. And, and by supporting missionaries, we can do that. And praise the Lord for the missionaries that we support. But you know what? We can do more here at Yellowstone Baptist Church. We extend, we extend the church by going across the street, across the state, or across the sea. And then, not only do we, we can show God's, our zeal for God's church by attending it and by extending it, and thirdly, by defending it. By defending it. You know, that's what the Apostle Paul did when he went back to visit some of the churches. He went back to straighten out some of the issues that they had. God's churches today are being attacked, folks, by this world and Satan. I don't know if you saw this week in the news. I saw it again this morning. This week, many Christians were persecuted and their homes and their church buildings were destroyed and burned to the ground in Pakistan. However, Christians and churches around the world are being persecuted. Satan hates God's churches. He hates Yellowstone Baptist Church, and he will do all that he can to destroy this church. Well, there are several ways that we can defend our uh, Yellowstone Baptist Church. First of all, we must defend this church from false teachers and from false doctrine and from those who would seek to destroy this church. Galatians chapter 1. If you'll turn there, please. Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1, verse 6 and 9. The Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the Christians at Galatia. And listen, listen to what he says in verse 6. I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so I say again now, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. And that means to be sent to hell for eternity. Accursed. 
anathema. We must defend this church from criticism, from gossip, and discord, from within and from without the church. And those within the church who criticize, who gossip, and so discord, dis, uh, and so discord, excuse me, are to be rebuked. You say, oh, no, no, God's about love. It's all, preacher, you just need to preach about the love of God. Everybody just love one another. Make everybody welcome. Everybody come to church and have a good old time. You know, the church is, it's a, um, it's a battle. There's a battle, there's a battle raging. And uh, the church is not a, um, what do you call those places you can go to? Huh? It's not a club. Exactly. Thank you. That's what I was trying to think of that word. It's not a club. This is not a club. Listen, and again, I don't mean to be harsh. I've had to deal with this in my ministry down through the years. If you don't like or agree with our pastor or this church, please find another one where you do agree, you can agree with and leave quietly. Amen? Don't sow discord. Don't involve other people that have nothing to do with what you're grumbling about. Just leave quietly because you do irreparable damage to the church of God by doing these things. In his letter, listen, preachers ought to, they ought to preach about love, not, not this kind of stuff. No, no. In his letter to young pastor Timothy, Paul exhorts him and he said, quote, them that sin rebuke before all that others also may fear. Preachers are to put the fear of God in the hearts of people from his word. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Second Timothy chapter four, verse two. To Titus, he said this, this witness is true. Wherefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. Titus 1 and verse 13. And then finally, Titus 2 verse 15. Paul said, these things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority and let no man despise thee. Don't you ever tell a preacher what he can or cannot preach. Amen? If he's preaching the word of God, and you see that it's from God's word, don't get mad at him. Just change your life. And if you want to talk about the pastor, talk to God about him, not to other people. Paul was eaten up with zeal for God's churches, and he believed in defending them. And so do I. And we must defend it from apathy. That's lack of interest. You know, apathy literally means without feeling. It's having a, uh, you can take it or leave it attitude. And sadly, that's the attitude of a lot of people who claim to be Christians. How can we have zeal for God's church? Fourthly, by recommending it. I like this part, recommending it. What, what do you do when you find something you like? Brother Mike, what do you do? 
How hard was that? Huh? You recommend it. You know, every day we recommend things we like to others. Uh, maybe a restaurant. Maybe it's a recipe, ladies. Uh, maybe it's a movie or a book that you've read. Or in my case, I like to hear about ice cream shops. <laughs> if you know a good place to get good ice cream, let me know, all right? Recommend that to me. It's been said that the best advertisement is a satisfied, what? Customer. Now, you know what? This week we, this, excuse me for saying, we purchased a bed. I mean, we got a brand new bed from Brother Sam. Well, where Brother Sam works. I mean, we've had the best night's sleep this week in a long, that we have in a long, long time. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to recommend him. Matter of fact, we already did on a, on a uh, what do they call it when they send you an email? They want you to, a what? A survey. A survey. Yeah, we're going to tell people about it. Listen, if you need a new bed, you see that man back there. I believe that a church alive is worth the drive. Did you get that? A church alive is worth the drive. I praise the Lord for Brother Corey. He doesn't live here, doesn't live here in Cheyenne, but yet he's here. He's always here as much as he can be. You know why? Because a church alive is worth the drive. Amen, Corey? We can recommend our church by what we are, by our character, not our reputation. Reputation is what people think we are. Character is what God knows we are. I once saw a poster that said this, quote, if every member were just like me, I wonder what kind of church would my church be? Now think about that. What if everybody was just like you? What if everybody was just like me, God forbid? What kind of church would this church be? Last week, pastor said this, if you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Paul told Timothy this in 1 Timothy 4.12, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. And the word example simply means a model or a replica of the real thing. And we are to be models of the real thing, of the real to goodness, Christian. We can re recommend it by what we say. You know, people know if we love God, and they know if we love our church by what we say about them. We can re recommend it by what we do, by our actions. And you know, people see the way that we live and act. Did you know that? They want to know why we are different. Others are watching us. I've said this many times. Our families, our friends, and even our foes are watching us. And they're watching to see if we walk the talk. They're watching to see if we are the real thing for Jerry. They want to see what we're all about. And then, finally... Oops. 
you know, I really like technology when it works. We can have zeal for God's church by loving it. You know, when you read about Apostle Paul, there was a time when he hated and he persecuted God's churches. You can read that in the book of Acts. You can read that in Galatians. He persecuted the churches, the believers. But after the Lord saved him, God did something. He put a love in his heart for God's people and for God's church. And his zeal ate him up. I've always wondered, how can, how can someone say they love God, but they don't love his church? To me, that's a mystery. I can't, I don't understand that. And we can show our love for Yellowstone Baptist Church by loving each other, by caring for one another. And Jesus said, by this y'all men know that you love me, if you have love one for another. So why should we love God's church? In a nutshell, because Jesus loved it and gave himself for it. Isn't that what Ephesians tells us? Ephesians 5 uh, and uh, verse 25, that he loved the church and gave himself for it. And we should love what he loves and hate what he hates. What did Jesus say? Again, John 14, 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. But yet some people have the attitude of, oh, how I love Jesus, but I don't need the church. It's not important. One of his commandments, and we read it earlier, Hebrews 10, 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a matter of some is. That's not a suggestion. It's a command. We are commanded to do that. And by the way, we also assemble for Sunday school at 9.15 every Sunday, unless things change, and 6 p.m. in the evening, every Sunday night. In closing, folks, I know that Pastor cares about, and he didn't tell me what to preach this morning, just for the record. I believe that God would have me to bring this message. We've been here a year now, and we've observed. Brother Jeff, I'm thankful for the love that we have and express towards each other here. It really is wonderful. Um, this is probably one of the most loving churches that we've been in. And I praise the Lord for that. I know that Pastor cares about and he loves this church. And his zeal just eats him up. Shouldn't you and I also care for it, love it? Amen. And may the zeal for God's house here at Yellowstone Baptist Church eat us up like it did the Apostle Paul and like it did our Savior, the Lord Jesus. He didn't want to see God's temple desecrated. And uh, that's why he drove out the money changers. So keep that in mind, all right? Remember that verse. Thy zeal, zeal for thine house hath eaten me up. I pray God will just eat us up this week. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time together. I've tried to do the best that I could this morning. Pray that my heart was right before you. 
Lord, this message will make a difference in somebody's heart, in all of our hearts today, because I believe there's some areas that uh, affect all of us, Lord, that we all are guilty of. So help us to remember that. And we pray you'll bless Yellowstone. Continue to bless it in the days, months, years ahead until you come to take us home. Lord Jesus, when you come, may you find us just eaten up with zeal for this place, for the word of God, for missions, for the Bible, Lord, for each other. And we'll thank you for what you do. And we pray that if there's someone here today that doesn't know you as their Savior, Lord, they can't know anything about it. They don't know anything about zeal, not in the spiritual sense. Would you speak to hearts today? May everyone examine our hearts, Lord. May we all examine our hearts and see whether we be in the faith. If there's one here that isn't saved, may today be the day of their salvation. We ask all this in Jesus' precious name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Pastor.